Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. 1st of March, love this time of the year, I have to say. Welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's do it. I do it on the first day of every month. The little saying from the Divine Word Missionaries calendar for the year. Listen to this. These are the wise words for March. The art of conversation is not only to say the right thing at the right time, but also to leave unsaid the wrong things at a tempting moment. Those words by Dorothy Neville. I wish I'd considered that at times in my life, but I haven't. (laughs) It's not easy to do, is it? It really isn't. Anyway, lovely words for the month ahead. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I so enjoyed it. I was away on my walks for Slav, yes. I was out in the countryside both days. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. In the garden, getting the early seeds in, you name it. It was just gorgeous. Thank God for the weather and better times ahead. Hope you had a nice one too. On late lunch today, later on we're going to talk to some young guys from County Mead from Rathoth who quit their jobs to start playing music full-time when? Last March. You'll hear how they got on here with us a little bit later. My Artist of the Week... Who is it? I'll give you clues through the afternoon. We're going to the States to catch up with Suzanne Lynch. Is the Donald on his way back? Oni McHugh is with us, a lecturer at DKIT, and a survey about the impact of COVID. Very interesting. And we're talking frogs. Ribbit, ribbit, on late lunch this afternoon. Have you spotted any frog spawn? If you have, let me know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp, text me to the show, or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, little piece of music to be begin to get today. Have a listen to this. If you are a fan of the show, you'll know what that song is, the theme song too. Because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, on late lunch this afternoon, I want to announce that the new series of Call the Midwife will be starring Madeline Duffy, who's on the line. Hello, Madeline. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. By the way, do you ever watch Call the Midwife? Another time, another time. <laughs> well, you're in there. Next series for sure. After the story you're going to tell our listeners now. It was last Tuesday. Take us back. And your daughter, Kira, was expecting a baby. Yeah, Kira um, was um, expecting her third baby. And um, she was due in early on Tuesday morning for um, a cesarean section. And. Um, I got a phone call then at quarter past four um, in the morning saying she was in labour. So myself and my husband 
got up to the house as quick as we could and herself and her partner Dean were there at the door ready to go. So got, I went up to the door to her and I knew by her she wasn't going to make it to the hospital. So I said to um, her partner Dean to phone for an ambulance. So um, he phoned for the ambulance and I took her back up the stairs then and just made her as comfortable as I could. And her contractions were coming every minute, so it was all happening very fast. So um, I was speaking to a lady on the phone, and she was kind of guiding me through it. And um, so just going by what she was saying then, so I just I grabbed a child for the baby, and within minutes then, little Mason was born, and he let out a nice cry for me, so... Thank God I knew he was okay because I was worried then if something had gone wrong, you know. Mm. I'm not a qualified midwife or anything. So, you know, that's in the back of your mind. So, um, luckily enough, then he was fine. So then I gave him up to care then for some skin to skin. And then the next I knew then the paramedics were in the room. And they kind of took over then. They checked Mason out and... He was fine, he was doing great, he's great heartbeat and then they checked on Kira and made sure Kira was okay. Then it was time to cut the cord, so her partner Dean wasn't too keen on cutting the cord, so I said, No problem, I'll cut it. So um cut the cord then and got her settled and she went away in the ambulance then and it was over within I don't know, about a half an hour. <laughs> It all happened so quickly. <laughs> oh, you tell it marvellously as well. And as cool as a cucumber, may I say. Oh, I, 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 I had to come across to, you know, for Kira because she was just amazing. So she was like, yeah. she's just like, you know, she took it in a stride. Like she was just brilliant. So she mm. was like, I was so proud of her. Like, and this is her third baby. You know, she is two younger children. And... She had them really quickly as well, and she was. This was her worst nightmare that she was going to have a baby at home, and this is why she had elected for the cesarean section, you know. And yeah. but Mason wasn't waiting on anybody, so <laughs> our babies don't hang around. Yeah. That's for sure. So she was right. due to have a C-section pre-arranged in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda. You were travelling up the road with her and uh, what happened happened and you were there on hand. Let me ask you this. Were you afraid? Was there a bit of fear in your heart? You know, you didn't show her, but inside. Oh, inside I was terrified. Yeah, Yeah, I really was because, like, you just never know in that situation. Like, I mean, you hear so many, like, horror stories and things going wrong, like, I mean, and... It's just, it's always there, you know, that, God forbid, if anything happened, Mm. you know, and in that case, then what would you do, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, you are now known as Super Grand. Do you know that? I know. (laughs) They're all calling you. This is your name now. You're never, this is with you for life now. But you know, you said yourself, you're not a midwife, but you delivered six yourself. Well, that's true. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you had a lot of experience. You really had. experience, yeah. And, well, Mason's my, he's my fourth grandchild. Really? My daughter, um, Idel, she has a wee boy. Lovely. 20 months, Elliot. So, so, 
plenty of experience. Yeah, indeed yeah. you had. No better woman to be on hand at that point in time and show nerves of steel. So Kira yeah. doing well, Mason fine, yeah. Kira's doing great, yeah, she's doing brilliant. And Mason's flying, no bother on him, feeding, sleeping, the whole lot, so... All's good. So there you are, folks. If you're in the Dundalk area and if you're ever worried or concerned, there's a woman called Madeline Duffy and I can tell you you couldn't have a better woman at your side uh, <laughs> when new life is about to appear into this world. But the others, just coming back to a point you made, Nathan and Emily, her, her other two children, Nathan's five and uh, Emily is one now, they did. They really did arrive quickly, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did as well. Like Nathan, um, he was, I think about 90 minutes, like in total, mm. you know, for him. And then with Emily, Emily came really quick as well. Then like, uh, within 10 minutes, Emily was born. Wow. So, you know, this is, this was Kira's, you know, big yes. like she hadn't slept for about a month beforehand, you know, worrying as to if it did happen and the kids were there and if she needed any medical assistance or anything like, you know, mm. So it is a worry, you know. Yeah, how are you handling? They also also came early. They were early babies. Yes. They all came um, a couple of weeks premature. Premature, yeah, 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 as well. This wee man you know, went full term. Yeah, £7.11 ounces, nice size baby as well, and mum and baby doing well. How are you handling the fame? Ah, sure. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it is great. Of course it is. Enjoy it. You're in, you're in the spotlight now, so you are. And well-deserved. You did a marvellous job. And I know your daughter, she was to be with us today, but she has an appointment, and we wish her well, and the baby and her partner and the others in the family too. Great job. Lovely story. And all's well that ends well. Thanks to super grand herself, Madeline Duffy. You're a star. Oh, thank you very much, Sherry. Thank, thank you Thank you so for much. joining me in the show. We want to dedicate no this song to you. And all. Yes, it's Tracy Chapman. And baby, can I hold you? Well, you held her. (laughs) Take care, Madeline. Bye-bye. Bye. Tracy Chapman. Dedicated to super grand Madeline Duffy, her daughter, and her lovely new grandson, born a week ago tomorrow. £7.11 ounces, Mason. And we say well done to Kira and all concerned. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. You know I'm doing these 40 days and nights for Slava. Look, I was way across the countryside the weekend and enjoyed my... I generally go countryside weekends, town during the week. But just to update you on what's happening, donations... Uh, we've gone over 2,000 since I started walking, which I'm just thrilled about because it was to highlight this young lad and his story. 16 years of age, he's been on a three-year cancer journey and his journey continues. Thank you from my heart to everybody who's contributed to the fund and you can find it gofundme.com. Oxygen for Slav is where you can donate. Great to hear that the Drahada Dolls, thank you Natalie Kelly, have also given a thousand euro uh, to Slav and to the people who organised the raffle with the painting, they've come in with 1400. So it's just great to see that people are doing things and helping this young flan. That was the aim of the game with me, to highlight him again and help that family and all all your donations are greatly, greatly appreciated. I thank you for your kindness. And Eugene Barron, thank you. Eugene got your card and lovely donation today. If you send money to me, I'll lodge it for you. I will. I've been doing that for some people over the weekend. 
and that will happen and your money is going straight to Slav. I promise you if anything comes to me and I will be making my own contribution at the end of the 40 days and nights as well. Thank you again. What about the weekend? Wasn't it lovely? Wasn't too lovely in Dublin, was it? The protest on Saturday. Oh my word. What were those people thinking? Gathering in those numbers. Then what ensued? The violence, the attack on the Gardaí. Now I hear conspiracy theorists saying that the person who fired the firework was actually a Garda. Are you joking me? Are you codding me? How crazy has this world become? How many crackpots are there in this country now? And with all these theories, I have to say, I despair. I really do despair. But I'll say this to you. The Gardaí didn't hit them hard enough. That's my view. Not hard enough. That's what's gone wrong in this country. We're too lenient. I've said it before. We are too lenient and one thing leads to another. Uh, you know, I'd batter them. I'd say, blatter them blue. That would be my way to do it. If, if you're out there breaking the law and violence breaks out, you have to meet force with force. That's the way I see it. Peaceful protest, fine. But there should be no protesting, no gathering, no gathering in numbers. It's as simple as that. They know that. And do they think this whole thing is just a, a, a cocked up story or something? And then they go into court and they have no masks on them. What kind? Of, did they wear them in court? They did. They had the masks on them. I'm sorry. I beg your pardon. I take that back. Correct that. They had masks on them in court. So masks on them in court. And yet they gather in numbers out in the street and they cause this hassle. No time for them whatsoever. Absolutely no time. I say it again. We've all got to do our best and we are doing our best. We are. And, you know, that's what must continue for the next while. And the vaccines, the vaccines are the way out of this. It is, folks. Don't believe anything else you hear. Please don't. Anything else is wrong. You know, in this life, I just think in life, what do you want to do in life? You want to be healthy and happy, have a roof over your head, have enough to eat and have a bit of enjoyment and have a family if you're lucky enough to have one and friends. And what more? What else are we talking about here? My oh my, when I saw the scenes, I couldn't believe it. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, if you've anything to say, thank you, the frog spawn. Yes, it's been spotted round the northeast. Let me know if you've seen frog spawn out in the countryside. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Because next on the show, we're talking frogs. The only time I get to see them is if we go for a little walk. And yesterday, Ava, my oldest granddaughter, she'll be six soon, was with me for a walk with Messi and we were out through the fields. And she called me over. She calls me Gang Gang. And she says, Gang Gang, Gang Gang, quick, look, 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 look what's here. So I went over and had a look. And she said, look at the frog spawn. And there it was, lots of it, in a big pool of water that was in a field we were in. And she was just thrilled to see it because she knows about them. I've been teaching her for years about it, but she spotted it, our Ava spotted it, and I was thrilled to see it as well. And I took a few snaps of it. And it just put me in mind that this is the time of the year when frogs are spawning all over the country. And I want to talk about it for the next while with Nuala Madigan. She's the CEO of the Irish Peatland Conservation, Irish Peatland Conservation Ireland. Hello, Nuala. Hello, how are you? Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, You're very welcome to the show. Well, it is the time. Are you getting much reports around the country, lots of frogs spawning? Absolutely. So we, uh, the Irish Peatland Conservation Council, we coordinate the longest running frog survey in Ireland called the Hop to It Frog Survey. So as you said, we're asking members of the public to send in their frog sightings. And so far, we've over 100. Now, what was exciting uh, this morning when I, when I was talking to, uh, to you earlier on was that your uh, record of the spawning in Louth there is the first record that we've got so far for, so up north. Great. When you think about it, we've had most of our... We go through a spring wave in Ireland. 
So most of our uh, spawning uh, sightings have been in Cork and Kerry, and they've been slowly moving up towards the Midlands. But we haven't had anything so far the north uh, as, as yours today. So it's great to see that the spring wave is reaching up into our northern counties. So we'd be expecting to see more frog spawning in kind of Donegal, Derry, Antrim, you know, hopefully by the end of this week or early next week. Ah, oh, that's great. Ava, my granddaughter, will be delighted. I think she's listening today. She's just back in from our first day back at school. Oh, my God, what excitement. But anyway, well done to Ava yesterday. Here's another one for you. you can add to your records because Mary Clifford's just on from Navin. And she says, yes, we have frog spawn here too, Jerry. Spotted the mammy and daddy very busy one day late last week. And my 10-year-old grand- grandson kept saying he could see four eyes. <laughs> I laugh at that. So there you are. Navin can be included there as well. But here's a question I have for you. Where Ava found the spawn yesterday, and I'd say a lot of people put this question to you. It's in a sort of a flood area that will dry out over the coming weeks and could dry out quickly. Should we do anything with frog spawn when you find it in little cuts like that with water in it, Nuala? Yes, so the frog is a legally protected species in Ireland. So uh, we're not allowed to really disturb it in its natural environment. So, of course, we can enjoy it and find it and record its sighting, but we shouldn't ever disturb it uh, in its natural environment. Remember frogs, they spawn... Uh, thousands of eggs around our countryside uh, and in our urban areas, uh, like, like in the town of Navan and the Garden Ponds and that, um, it's every year. And the reason they do that is because they, the, young tadpole, the young spawn and the tadpoles, they have such a high mortality rate. And that's simple things like uh, habitat, um, so it's predation, things like they could spawn and then the next thing a grey heron is coming down eating yes. their spawn. So we shouldn't ever disturb it in the wild. Uh, unless now, if you saw it and you said, you know, you're in a little, you know, pool in, in yes. the field, and right beside that, you can see there's a, there's a you know, a drain. Yeah. yeah. You can move it into that drain. Okay. So don't ever recommend that anyone would ever touch uh, frog spawn in the wild. And it's part of nature. The frogs will learn that that wasn't an ideal spawning ground, so they'll choose better in the following year. Now, I've seen them uh, at this, uh, uh, you know, spawning and all the males arriving with hellish colours on them, oranges and reds and everything, uh, a few years back. And I saw them again last year in a little pond that that I know they come to, to every year. Do they come to the same area each year? Are they territorial frogs? Some of them will come to the same area, but as you can as you can imagine, again, say for example, in a pond and a garden, now you might have say a hundred eggs, for example, and all of those hundred eggs, they all mature. They all all those frogs can't come back to the same area, okay. uh, same pond to spawn. So they do migrate and they will move on to different areas. Um, and again, maybe some of the adults will stay in those areas then as well. But it's all dependent on food throughout the year for them, shelter throughout the year, uh, how much predation is happening. Uh, and of course, if they have that water supply there for them to spawn in. So no, not all will stay in that area. They will migrate around in search of new ponds to, to spawn in for the following year. Uh, when a baby is born, actually, it, it'll take three years before they, they, they're ready to, to, to lay eggs. So at this time, the uh, spawn that we used to have found yesterday, it will actually be another 10 to 20 days before it emerges into a tadpole. Then it'll be another 10 weeks before it's a little froglet. And then it'll be three years before that frog will be ready to lay spawn, if it's a female.
My oh my, no wonder they lay hundreds of thousands, millions of eggs because the mortality rate, as you say, from tadpoles right through the small froglets till three years' time, only a tiny percentage obviously survive. I was thinking about, you know what I was thinking about? Balrath Wood. It's not far from Dulekin County Mead and there's pond in there and every year it's a mass of frogs. What's the general state of the Irish frog population? Yeah, Irish, the Irish, throughout Europe, they are a protected species under the Habitats Directive and under the Wildlife Act in Ireland. And that's why we, we never recommend they should be disturbed. But Ireland is considered a stronghold. Our temperate climate does allow, we get a lot of rain, your listeners will be aware of, that we get a lot of rain. And especially, as you said earlier on, into kind of April and May, where the, 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 the ponds or the pools, they, they, they spawn and don't tend to dry out as, uh, that often. Which mm. is, there are exceptions now, don't get me wrong, Jerry, but um, you know, they tend not to. So our temperate climate is ideal for them. Uh, we have a lot of kind of countryside uh, around and a lot of good quality water for them to breed in. So Ireland is considered a stronghold in um, in Europe. However, with that, you know, there's a lot of talk now. All of our listeners will be aware of climate change and, you know, the, the, uh, the, the changes that might bring to our climate. So by really important now, if people can get in touch and send us their records, it's a good start if you haven't already been involved to, to track your, your frog spawn and your, your frogs in your local area. And it's very easy to get involved as well. It can be filled in online on our website, uh, the Irish Peatland Conservation Council or IPCC.ie. And uh, really important so that we can see those changes. But at the moment, Ireland is in a good state of affairs. And of course, we only have the one frog in Ireland as well. So really important to make sure that we've healthy populations of us. Now there's another message coming to me. I work in Castletown, Kilpatrick, that's in County Mead, and there's a serious amount of frogs coming round the house. We counted six out the back of the house last Wednesday. Is there anything we can do to keep them away from the house without harming them? You know the way some people are squeamish about frogs, yeah? yeah? yeah I, my own sister, I got a call one evening and she couldn't get into her house and she said, would I call up? And I said, what? what's going on that you can't get into the house? And there was a frog sitting on the front mat and she wouldn't go near the house. So, no, what they're doing at this time is they are just looking for water. And again, especially at this time of the year, because we have a lot of rain, the ground is damp, which is ideal for them to be moving around and in search of water. They don't really like the very dry, mm. um, the dry times of the year. So it's really only at this time of year where they are in search of water. And because the ground is wet from the rain, they can go on to maybe concrete or tarmac which they wouldn't particularly like in the summer when it's very dry. Yeah, OK. But look, at they're, they're harmless. They're only going about their business, I say to that listener as well. Leave them be. They'll find their mates and their friends and they'll find water and they, you won't see them in, in a short space of time. How long does the spawning go on for this time? Yeah, so it, again, it, it will really go on for about a week in, in your local area. Once the, the temperatures are right, they'll begin to, to spawn. How they actually find mates is, is, is we all learn that the, the frogs croak, but it's actually only the male frogs that croak. So uh, as you said, you saw the male frogs, and what they do is they head to the water first, and, and they croak. And why, why they're croaking is to attract the female and tell right. the females we're in the pond. And then they, they'll spawn, and within a day or two, then the spawning will be complete. The adults will tend to disperse then in search of food because they're back on land now looking for food, becoming our gardener's friend as we know them. So they'll be feeding on the slugs in the garden in prep for our vegetable beds. 
And as I said, then the, the spawn will develop. The adults don't have to look after the spawn in the pond. Um, you know, the, the, the spawn, uh, you know, as it, as it develops, the, the young little tadpoles will first eat the, that little clear gelatin around it that's for protection. And they're herbivores first, and they'll feed on plant material before they become carnivores. So as I said, if you've spawn in your local area now, it'll be about another 10 to 20 days before it'll be um, a tadpole. And then really June and July is when we see these tiny little frogs. Yes. They're lovely. They're lovely. And they're a mirror image of the big ones as well. I, I'm well familiar with them. And Burton's been on to say, there's another one for you. She's been out on the ramparts, on the Boyne in the Slane area again in Mead. Saw quite a big number of frogs croaking away. Lovely listening to them. And Anne was fascinated by them. And there's another spawning session going on there. Just before I let you go, if you better make a little pond in your garden, I, I suppose it's difficult in an urban area. Could you have frogs visit? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we get a lot of records from members of the public who have created ponds, and our gardens are great spaces for, for ponds. Obviously, you know, mind young, young people if we have them in our households and that. But ideal, we once had um, someone who had put an upside-down bin lid down as a little bird bath in, in their pond, because yeah. garden birds love to wash themselves. And what happened? But the frog came and spawned in that. So they were minding the, 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 the spawn all through until the young little tadpoles can emerge because it was only a small amount of water. So they were topping it up with rainwater. So as you, we started the conversation with about, you know, the drying out. So they were topping it up with rainwater to give the, the mm. tadpoles an opportunity to develop. So, yeah, gardens are fantastic. And again, by encouraging the frog in, by creating a small pond, is they're going to be uh, natural predators in your garden as well. So for your flowers and for your vegetables. Oh, yes. They're wonderful. The gardener's friend. You've been great, Newell. And again, I mentioned the Irish Peatland Conservation Council. Go to their website, fill in the details there. If you see spawn or frogs, you will be helping in uh, protecting this wonderful species for generations to come. Newell, great to talk to you. Thank you, and thanks everyone for taking part. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Nuala Madigan there, CEO of the Irish Peatland Conservation Council, talking frogs on late lunch today. We're heading to uh, weather and news at two. And after two, you want to hear this? Yes, the DKIT are involved in a big survey about the impact of COVID-19. That listener who was on to me earlier about all the frogs around the house and what she would do, send us your name. Tell us where you are, please. You've been WhatsApping me and you've been back on to me to say, not alone, Jerry, have we frogs around the area. There are plenty of lizards too. Now, there's ones I don't spot much are lizards. Little small fellas in this neck of the woods. Let me know who you are and where you are, please. Kieran from Trim's been on to say that he was just so... Delighted to see lots of frogs and spawn uh, near an old mill run uh, in the last uh, few days. Thanks, Kieran, for letting us know. So that's trim area with the frogs and spawn as well. Oh, there's a good smattering of them, isn't there, right across the northeast? You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. If you're just joining us, welcome to the show. We're moving on now. Look... COVID has dominated, hasn't it, for the last year? At the first anniversary of the first case and the first person to lose their lives in the last year, it has been tough, tough for everybody. So you've got to take learnings, don't you, from years and massive situations like this that impact 
on all of humanity. And with that in mind, there is to be a COVID-19 well-being study. And a part of the team, one of the collaborators, is Anya McHugh. She's a lecturer in mental health and nursing with 22 years experience and she works at the wonderful DKIT. And Anya is with me this afternoon. Hello again, Anya. Good afternoon, Jerry, and thank you very much for uh, having me on the show to talk about this. Not at all. You're very welcome. So would you tell, just explain for listeners first, you, as I said, are a collaborator, part of this thing with uh, very many other eminent people as well. What is the purpose of the COVID-19 wellbeing study? Well, what we're trying to do is, um, and I'm doing this in um, conjunction with my uh, colleague, Dr. Kevin McKenna, who's leading out on the Irish um, branch of this study. What we're trying to do is see um, how COVID-19 has impacted on the well-being of Irish people. And at the same time that we are doing this study here in Ireland, uh, this study has been carried out. Exactly the same, exactly the same questions are being asked in 22 other countries. So what we are hoping is that we will be able to directly compare what Irish people are saying about how COVID-19 has impacted on their mental well-being and that with other countries around the world. So we can see where we can benchmark ourselves against other countries and see if it has been, um, if it has been more of an adverse experience on or a harder experience on people in Ireland than it, in comparison to other countries. So basically, that's what we're trying to do. Mm. I mean, there's there's a lot of research about COVID happening at the moment. And a huge amount of that research was to try and find, um, uh, develop vaccines. Yes. And try and develop um, uh, treatments to actually get people through the acute part of um, COVID when people were in hospital with physical symptoms. What we're trying to do is... Um, we are trying to look at how people are feeling about this. Um, now we've had uh, three lockdowns, how people are trying are feeling about this. Now, a lot of the time when something acute like this happens, when um, automatically a lot of the research is focused on the cure, the treatment, the vaccine. Mm. And sometimes the the psychological impact of yes. of a public health emergency is kind of left a little bit late. Yes. We're really, really lucky. We're able to do this right in the middle of lockdown three. So we'll be able to get a really, really good sense of how people are feeling, how people are coping um, with lockdown and how it's affecting their well-being mm. and this is feeling. really really important and I'm sure there are many people listening today feel you know what I could chip in there I want to talk about my experience I'm going to get on to that in a moment but before that two words I see in the context of this coercion and psychological well-being and you've alluded there quite a bit to the psychological well-being the word coercion means to do something using force or threats and unfortunately we saw what happened in Dublin the weekend and people breaking you know what I mean the regulations blatantly and then you do have to use force or threats but you know for people who abide the majority of people abide you know what I'm getting at on you without that without that without the the need for force or threat or is that something that has to be there well it's part of our our public health guidelines at the moment that we have to stay within our five kilometers of home unless it's an essential journey or unless we have to work outside that five kilometers so we are, by and large, people are uh, uh, abiding by public mm. health guidance. And it's only to serve the community. Um, I mean, the, the public health messages that are coming out about 
staying within our 5k it's to stop the spread of the illness yes um, and to stop our our stop our our health service being overwhelmed. Yes. And when this started, first of all, we were we heard a lot about flattening the curve, that we needed to flatten the curve. And that was all about protecting our health service to make sure that we hadn't a huge amount of people physically sick all at the one time that would swamp our hospitals and swamp our GPs. Mm. Um, and that's where um, decisions were made around um, people staying within particular yes. counties and and um, laying down the law really as to what you know yeah. the parameters were and I'll be very interested to see what people have to say when this is worked right through about that yeah. aspect of it you know that you have to and there are penalties if you don't now people are listening today thinking okay this is interesting uh, I feel I might have something to contribute can anybody listening today contribute or what way you're going to go about this Yes, anybody that's listening that's over um, 18 years of age and is living in Ireland um, can contribute to this study. Um, we are particular key, particularly keen on, on hearing from the general public. Um, so people who are uh, retired, people who maybe are at home because of um, hospitality, um, hospitality businesses are temporarily closed. Mm. We're also very interested in hearing from people who are um, in the public service, people who work in transport, people who work in food, production of food and um, delivery of food, um, people involved in public safety, national security, so Gardaí, army, um, people involved in, la- in, in local and national or, and national government um, people involved in um, our utilities like um, electricity, yes. gas, So it's across telecom. the board. It's across the yes. board, really, Annie. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And people yes. who are working from home and others who maybe have had to go to work have had no choice. There's two aspects of that there. So it's a wide remit of people. How do they uh, volunteer? What's the easiest way to volunteer? I want to make a, a submission to this. The easiest way they can do it is if you go on to my um, Twitter and my Twitter is at Anya McHugh one, the number one. So that's at Anya McHugh one, A I N E M C H U G H. So at Anya McHugh one, or you can go onto the DKIT website and under the news tab, yeah, you will see um, you'll see the COVID nineteen study mentioned there. Okay. So either way, you can hit on the link and you can participate and. Um, and this is an important uh, study because um, we are able to we're able to benchmark ourselves against other countries, and we're also able to look at lots of different areas um, that, that we're exploring. So we're looking at um, things like um, you know who people are locked down with. We're asking them about their health. We're asking them about their experiences of COVID. Looking at loneliness. We're looking at levels of contact with friends and family. We are looking at how people perceive the messages that they are getting from the government regarding health and public health information. We are looking at how confident people are in our health service and how it can deal and cope with this very much still an evolving situation. So, Anya, let me me ask you this. Um, You know, and maybe it's I'm a bit off the mark here. The restrictions have been tough on everybody and people are really yeah. looking forward to them being released from this year we've had and on-off lockdowns, more lockdowns than being free. Yeah. Would it be wrong to say, 
that there are some people that lockdown really hasn't been so stressful for? Um, we hear anecdotally, and you see, this is this is where you know you're, you're talking about fake news and everything. You you you, you want to make sure that you've got yeah. this information um, accurately and factually. We hear we hear a lot of people saying that yes, uh, lockdown has has been. They feel it has been harmful, but we're also hearing that some people are finding lockdown hasn't been harmful because. Um, some people would, um, and this again, this is from what we're hearing, we've no firm evidence yet about this, that their stress levels have decreased because the big stress that perhaps they had in their lives before, like commuting, is currently gone. So that they're not worrying about Mm. getting up the road to to Dublin or to Cork or to whatever whatever, uh, place that they're going to. They're not having to worry about traffic because they're working at home. And we're hoping that 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 cohort of people will will uh, be seen in the study. Um, yes. So for everybody, it it hasn't necessarily been a negative experience. Mm, mm. Um, there's possibly people that um, working from home has really really suited them, and that on an ongoing basis, it's something that they might actually like. One of the very interesting things we've included in the study is we've asked people whether or not. Uh, or to look at how this public health emergency has sort of stopped them in their tracks and made them think about their life. Yeah, yeah, it has, it, the, it has, it has, yeah. it really has. And about the choices that they have in their life and what changes they might like to make. Mm. And that, there's, there are, uh, uh, um, uh, there's one question with lots of different options for for that. So to get people to reflect on, um, we don't often get time in our very busy lives Jerry, to stop and think about how our lives are going. But this pandemic has certainly made us slow down, stop and think about, is this the life I now want? Do I want to organise my life differently? Would I like to, to have a different job? It, it, has, it has, or how do I want my family to um, um, get on? Those type of questions, have people are thinking about them. Mm. So this, sur- this survey is trying to capture that as well. Yes, it's fantastic and great to hear that DKIT are a big part of this international uh, survey. You're right, there are people who are looking at their lives now and that commute is just one example of something that they say, I don't ever want to do that again. But what you're saying basically is, and what I was getting at, it's on the whole been tough and negative for people, but there are an element and there are elements of it that have made us reflect on life and that there are positives in it as well. And you want to hear the full remit from across the board. OK, so I'm just going to remind them again at Onya McHugh 1 by Twitter or DKIT website news and the COVID-19 study. Here's your chance to have your say and shape uh, the uh, this year that we've had and what it's been like for you. Onya. Thank you so much for joining me. Not at all. And um, thank you. I want to thank you on behalf of my colleague as well, Dr. Kevin McKenna, who's uh, the lead for this study in Ireland. So thank you very much, Jerry. You're so well. We have it finished. We might come back on oh, with the results. The door is wide open. I can see it from here and we'll be able to hug and shake hands and everything, please, God. All right, Anya.
Thanks very much, Take care Jerry. yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Bye-bye. Uh, Anya McHugh there, lecturer in mental health nursing at DKIT. I remind you again, at Anya, A-I-N-E, McHugh, num- the number one is our Twitter, or DKIT Web News and COVID-19 study. And just as we're talking about, you know, uh, Anya's a lecturer in nursing there, I have the most beautiful picture of Chelsea Farrell, the former Miss Ireland, sitting in front of me. And it's not normally the way you'd see Chelsea, to be honest with you. She's so beautiful and she's involved in many things in her life. But here she is, just got a picture from her mammy on the first, her first day placement in the labour ward at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda. She is studying midwifery and there she is on her first day with her ID badge and her suit and mask and all and everything on. Chelsea, we wish you well. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Stay with us. Pat here, my God, he said, what a gang of bloody idiots in Dublin. I would have a slurry spreader and plaster them with it, Jerry. Now, I like the thought of that. Plaster them in slurry. Have it there on the front line with the protesters and cover them in shit. I think that's a good suggestion. I think that that and, and don't you know just over them, over them. Don't not with force or anything. Just there'll be a good smell off them. I think that's a decent suggestion there. So it is, Pat. Interesting. Uh, Jerry. what happened in uh, Dublin and last week is anarchy. No agenda. This has to be cutting the bud straight away. Substantial fines for anybody involved or people spreading vile on Facebook or Twitter or inciting any type of violent behaviour. Facebook and Twitter uh, need to be held to account as well, Jerry, because they are facilitating a lot of this awful comment on their platforms. That comes in from Sean in Dundalk. Actually, Sean, I'd be, uh, I think it's tomorrow I'm talking to Father Sean McDonough. He's an environmentalist and he is actually uh, in his new book, oh, it's so thought-provoking. He talks about this, the big big companies like Facebook and Twitter and that, and the danger that they are. We'll be talking uh, about that on the show tomorrow. Hello, another one comes in there from RD. Just to let you know, Jerry, loads of frogs and spawn in the RD area as well. You see that? They come out from the woods when you start talking about it here. <laughs> no pun intended uh, about the frogs uh, there. And uh, I was uh, just want to mention something while I'm, while I'm on it. Um, I posted it myself last evening. Um, a few weeks ago, I mentioned about the the bottle banks and uh, where you leave your bottles and tins being full in the drought area. Would you believe it? I went down again yesterday. I waited a few weeks to go down and the blinking bins were full again. Uh, and I had to bring home uh, some of the gl- coloured glass vessels. I got some things in, the clear glass, the tins, but others, they were quite packed, to be honest with you. And people are just leaving the bottles outside on the ground. So I just say again to Loud County Council, there's a problem, and it's a problem that needs to be addressed. They're not being emptied uh, fast enough. I, I, that must be the reason that they're full. And I'm just saying to you, can we sort this out once and for all to have them picked up regularly and allow them uh, have space to take people's bottles and that? I didn't leave anything. I brought it home and I'll go again down the road when I have more. But Lord, come on, that is, is surely not too much to ask. And then the other thing, as I was driving home, I live out on the Ballamakenny Road on the north side of Drogheda. Uh, there are bins there, red coloured bins for dog poo. And there are other bins just for ordinary litter with people going by. And I joke you not, I'm not telling you a lie. There's a bin at uh, the uh, 
there's three schools on our road now. A college, we're Ballamacenny College, and we have St Oliver's Primary School, and what was would have been the the presentation nuns is the presentation primary school. There are three schools close by. Outside that uh, last school I mentioned, there's a bin. It's overflowing with rubbish. Somebody's left a black bag beside it. There's litter strewn all over the ground. Now that bin is not just full. Uh, a day or two. It's full for quite some time. So I say again to the local authority, are the bins being collected regularly? That's just, I, that's only where I live. I don't know. Is it like that in Dundalk, in RD, in Dunlear, round the, the wee county elsewhere? Are bins on the streets, rubbish bins on the streets, are they full or being collected? I'd love to know. You're out there on the ground. Tell me what's your experience in your area. But I've been watching this bin out that I'm doing the walking now every evening. This bin is like that for a while and it's a disgrace. And children are going into school this morning with all that litter on the ground. Now, come on. These are basic things we need done. And regardless of pandemic or no pandemic, those bins should be cleared and cleared soon. So if you have a a view on the rubbish bins, never mind the recycled bins, I've said that before. But what about the rubbish bins in your area? The dog poo bins, are they being cleared? Are they being collected? I'd love to know. Let me know wherever you're living today. And if you're in Meath and there's a problem, tell me as well. Because we are serving, of course, on LMFM Radio, both counties, Loud and Meath. 086-1800-658. You could WhatsApp me or text and let me know or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. What about Gordon, Elliot? Hmm? What about Gordon and the horse? Oh, he's in big bother, isn't he? He is in big bother. He really is. I just see, well, one of the betting companies are gone, yeah. Uh, Michael O'Leary says he's disappointed, Jigginstown, and uh, so on and so on they go. But, my God, I have to, I have to say this to you. Who took the picture? And who posted the picture of the man? He shouldn't have done it. I understand, and he's in the wrong, and he's put his hands up. And I don't know what context... You know, he says, you know, a picture's taken, you put it up, people look at it. You know, the man has been involved in the game a long time. I'm sure he loves the animals. An animal, sitting on a dead animal, is wrong. It's total wrong image to give. I absolutely accept that. But who took the picture and then posted it up? You know, there had to be somebody in the yard there who did that, you know, and... Maybe there was no thinking behind it, but a a WhatsApp group, perhaps, that the picture went up on and then it gets out from there, you know. And I I say to you today, I've seen it myself in the past. I've been the victim of it. Um, You can't do anything. You can't really do anything in public where there's a phone around nowadays with a camera on it where somebody can just click and snap you or run a little video on you. You could ruined, ruined you can be with, with something like that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I remember as well, I have been the victim of it, of course I have, but you look at it. It was a storm in a teacup at the time and we moved on. Of course we did. It was serious enough at the time when I was involved. But uh, look, at the end of the day, you just got to now be 110% careful. If anybody takes your picture, takes a wee video of you and it's posted and it's in the public domain, you can be destroyed in an instant. That is the message with all this social media thing. Destroyed in an instant. It's great in one sense. In another sense, it's absolutely lethal. You could be in really, really big trouble. Anyway, Gordon's apologised. Watch this space where it goes from here. I'm sure he's going to keep training uh, and he's done a fantastic job in the past. But I do say it was wrong. It was wrong to take that picture. Wrong to give an impression from a picture the way it was given. That goes without saying. But there is a real warning there for every single one of us. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Christopher Cross. Love that song. Thanks, Eamon. Between the moon... And New York City. Well, let me tell you, 
hopefully after the next break, we're going to get caught between LMFM and Washington DC because he's back with us on Late Lunch, Irish Times, Washington correspondent, Suzanne Lynch. Jerry says, Jim, the hill of Tara is littered with cups, plastic bottles and dog litter bags and masks everywhere. I don't think anyone cares about the environment anymore. I give up. I did let the uh, OPW know about this before. Thanks indeed, Jim. Uh, You're doing your best and you always are. I know that. But I begin to think that same thought that you've just mentioned there myself. Thanks uh, for your message to the show. Now, is he on the way back? I can't believe this. Yes, uh, Donald Trump appeared at the Conservative Political Action Conference in the last number of hours, which was moved from from Washington to Florida. And perhaps he's indicated he will run again for President. Well, the woman who knows is a good friend of ours. She's the Irish Times Washington correspondent and she's on the line. Suzanne Lynch, hello again. Good morning, Jerry. Thank you so much for doing us this favour. I know it's early with you there. Oh, listen, I thought we were done with him, Suzanne, that we'd never hear from him again. What's going on? Yes, so, um, well, Trump was the kind of headline act at this conference that happened over the weekend, and um, he gave the closing speech uh, last night at the event. And it's kind of like, a, I suppose, a party political conference, an Ardesh, if you like, where um, the a lot of conservative uh, supporters and Republicans gather each year. It goes back to the 1970s. Um, and usually, as you said, said there, it's it, it held outside Washington, but they moved it to Florida really because they said themselves that the COVID restrictions were more lenient down there, so they felt they could have thousands of people at this hotel, which they did. Um, So it was Trump's first public appearance since leaving office on January the 20th. He's been fairly low profile. He's been down in Florida. He also lives in Florida, in Palm Beach, at his Mar-a-Lago estate there. He's been spotted on the golf course a bit. He has been kind of holding court, if you like, there too because he's had various politicians from Washington come down and visit him there and talk strategy but this was kind of the first time uh, we heard from him at any length since he left the White House. And you know being off Twitter and social media hasn't helped him at all. I know he's been calling into his favourite right wing TV stations and getting a little uh, dig in here or there. Look he hadn't a lot to say about Biden naturally he said again mm. I won the election the election I may win for a third time. I was really smiling to myself I just watched it earlier on he's not going yeah. to form a new party but look Suzanne yeah. is all this predicated on this investigation into his tax and business affairs that's been uh, opened up, it was announced last yeah. week. If that goes against him, it could be as goose cooked. Exactly. So he, as you say there, you know, it was kind of a typical Trump speech. He spoke for about 90 minutes. A lot of it, he kind of st- stayed to script. He was reading from a teleprompter and he criticised Biden. Uh, then he started veering off script a bit and there you kind of saw the anger coming out more and he talked about how the election had been rigged. And he um, gave out about the Supreme Court for not doing anything about this. What he said was the rigged election. Obviously, that's false. He lost the election to Joe Biden. Um, but uh, he did, as you say, there was interesting people. There's been lots of rumours about his next move. And we do know that he was speaking to some advisors about possibly setting up another party. Obviously, there are two main parties here in the United States, the Democrats and the Republicans. And he had been looking for some way of tapping into what is, you know, his very big support base there. And he's found himself at odds with elements of the Republican Party. But no, he said last night that he said that was fake news, those reports. 
And he said he won't be starting a third party. And he said um, one of the reasons would be that it would divide the Republican vote, essentially. So he was kind of saying that he is here to stay, that he's going to shape the Republican Party from the inside. Now, that's a problem for some of the more traditional Republicans who want to move on from Trump. And it's also a problem for people who maybe want to run for president in 2024. Like, they can't decide, really, until they know what Trump is going to do, if he's going to throw his hat in the ring. Now, as you say there, Jerry, he did say last night, he kind of hinted that he might, but he didn't, he wasn't definitive. He said, oh, I might try to, you know, beat them for a third term, third, mm. third time, he said. Even though, of course, he didn't win a second time, he lost the second yeah. time. But as you say there, really what's going to make this decision, I think, is, is what happens with his legal challenges. The investigators in New York are looking into his tax affairs. They won a big Supreme Court ruling last week saying they could get access to those financial documents. And some people, you know, believe, we don't know, but that this is going to go way back to his time as a, as a builder, as a businessman, as a developer in New York over the last decade or so before he was president. So people are going to be watching carefully, see what this investigation uncovers. And ultimately, if he was found guilty of anything, there were, his uh, former lawyer, Michael Cohen, testified that, for example, he undervalued property to pay less tax, that kind of thing. You know, that you could be looking at criminal charges against Donald Trump, mm. that you could have a former president facing criminal trials. So I think if that was to happen, obviously, you know, it's still a long way away, 2024. So we're only six weeks, less than six weeks since he left Washington as president. Yes. So, like, let's see in, in another year or so where, where it stands. But he's definitely considering it. That's what he said last mm. night. Mm. My God almighty, yes. And we thought we were rid of him. Watch this space, but that investigation will uh, tell a lot, of course. And it is a long time away. Now, you lead nicely into my next one, Joe. 40 days in, two more days. It will be six weeks. How would you assess his, his opening 40 days? Well, I mean, he's he's announced a few. I mean, it's not getting the same headlines as Trump because that's just not his style. I mean, Joe Biden is not on Twitter all the time. He's mm. just kind of there in the White House quietly kind of running things. And so his big focus, even though, you know, it sounds kind of technical, is he's trying to get this huge COVID economic stimulus plan through yeah. Congress. It's $1.9 trillion. It is huge, huge money. Absolutely, you know, historic numbers of, of money trying to help the American economy. So that's what his focus has been, that and the COVID crisis, trying to fix that. So he's been, on one hand, kind of his people have been negotiating with people in Congress to try and get political support for this big trillion-dollar deal, $1.9 trillion. And then he's got Fauci and his COVID team trying to get the vaccinations roll out. Now, the vaccination program is going very well, really, in, in America. Um, they're now vaccinating about 1.7 million. They're, they're administering 1.7 million vaccines a day here. I now, know. it's still very uh, hard to get it. You know, the demand is still bigger than supply. But compared, it's a bit like the UK, compared to how bad things were last year, they are moving very quickly on the vaccinations. Now, that was one thing Trump brought up in his speech last night. He kind of said, well, I, you know, Joe Biden's taking all the credit and I put a lot of work into this. He's probably got a point there. There was a lot of preparation on vaccine, you know, towards the end of last year. But that's been um, Joe Biden's main focus. But there's been a few difficulties for him at the same time. He's got himself into a lot of controversy over reopening schools. Schools on the whole, Jerry, here have been closed all year and it's a huge issue as you can imagine yeah. and Joe Biden promised to reopen schools but now he's kind of backtracking and, and people are confused about the advice and in, in the United States you know a lot of states have power over how the schools are run so you're getting a kind of a, a patchwork effect across the country and then the other thing is um, 
People may remember the awful story from uh, 2018 where Jamal Khashoggi, the Saudi journalist, was murdered yes. in the Istan, in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. So on Friday, Joe Biden released a uh, declassified report into that murder, basically directly linking the Saudi royal family with the murder. And people thought, OK, this is good. Trump was very close to the Saudis. It was his first uh, visit abroad with Saudi Arabia. And he was, you know, he, he kind of wants to play down the, the role of, this, of MBS, that, that um, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, in that awful murder. So everyone thought, OK, here's Joe Biden releasing this report. This is good. However, he actually didn't sanction anybody, uh, sanction, you know, MBS, the yes. crown prince. So people were a bit disappointed about that, saying, well, you know, you're releasing the report, but what good is that? Should you be stronger against Saudi Arabia? We're hoping to hear more from him today. So... You know, it's not completely plain sailing. Other people are beginning to say, we haven't had a big press conference from him yet. He's been fairly quiet, you know, in the White House. So, you know, it's not all plain sailing, but look, he's doing what he said he was going to do. He's brought America back into the Paris climate change. He's brought them back into the WHO. He's, you know, moving along with his COVID relief package and things are kind of quieter and work has been done here at the moment. Uh, Suzanne, if you can get into his left or right here or any here, 1.7 million a day. If they came over here, they'd have Ireland done in three days. <laughs> we'd be back. I know. Oh, my God, when you think of that. all right about lending to other countries. Yeah. Them. Now, they've just, yeah, they've, they've two, Moderna and Pfizer have been the two vaccines that were approved. And just at the weekend, they approved the Johnson & Johnson, yeah. the one-dose vaccine. Mm, mm. So um, that happened at the weekend, and they're talking about as early now as today and tomorrow going to be shipping that out. In saying that, I was just researching a story I'm writing for the weekend. I went to Baltimore to a huge site, a vaccination site there. And, you know, they are having problems logistically. People calling up, trying to get appointments, they're all gone. Websites crashing, this kind of thing. So what they're hoping, the feeling here is that in about a month or even less, that they're really going to have this supply of vaccines. Mm. And even where I'm here now in, in Washington, all the front care, you know, line workers have got some done since January and even you know uh, teachers are now getting it and um, bus drivers people working post offices and now they're moving into next round which people under 64 with underlying conditions so you're kind of seeing it moving along here yes. um, and that that's re- that is really the focus like every country in the world mm. that is really the focus mm. of Joe Biden and he does look like he is making progress on that so that's good for him politically absolutely well we have sort of the same feeling here that when would the supplies become available we have the infrastructure you're probably hearing this from this mm. side in place to go big time uh, when we get enough mm. of the vaccines the other things with him you mentioned Saudi Arabia there um, Myanmar has blown up in his face and of course Iran and uh, he sent some, some yeah. missiles into Syria last week like there's a lot going on did, now yeah. on the international front for him there is, um, and this is kind of interesting because Ireland has, um, it's on the UN Security Council. People might remember we won a kind of a competition, yeah. if you like, in June. So Ireland up in New York, there's Irish officials up there on the Security Council. And the new, Joe Biden's new appointee, the UN ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, she is a, it's her first day in the job actually today. She got confirmed by the Senate. She's given a press conference later and we'll be watching there what she's saying. Because you're right, there are a lot of issues on the international stage. Um, the situation in Myanmar is, is very worrying. It's escalated over the weekend. Again, some people would like to see a bit more. I saw there was a statement out overnight from the White House condemning it, saying they're looking at sanctions, but, you know, not a huge change in policy there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how far Joe Biden is prepared to go. Similarly with Iran, it's going to be very tough. Um, in 2015, Obama signed this 
Iran nuclear deal, and then Trump pulled out of it. But it's very it's going to be very difficult for Biden to get back into that deal, as we know it, because um, the Iranians have started increasing their nuclear stockpile because they said that America didn't keep side of the, its side of the bargain, which is the truth, because it didn't, because Trump pulled out of it. Um, and even among his own party members here, uh, de- a lot of Democrats, they don't like the idea of, as they see it, being too conciliatory towards Iran. Um, Israel is a very important ally of the United States, and there is a huge Israeli lobby group who are very anti the Iran deal. So that's in the ears of a lot of members of Congress and the Democratic side here. So it's a very tricky situation for him. And um, that's going to be one of the dominant things now. As you said, he launched his first military airstrike last week. Um, and that was in, it was technically in Syria across the border from Iraq. Um, and that was in retaliation to other airstrikes that hit, but didn't kill many. One person was killed and I think many injured Americans. But there's been, you know, activity in Iraq from Iran-backed militias. So it's complicated. And he has already said, as you said, he's into, you know, right nearly six weeks now of his presidency. He always said that the first month of his presidency would be uh, looking at domestic issues, COVID and the COVID relief package. And then he would start looking at foreign policy. And that's where I think we are now. As you say, there there are a range of issues people are going to want to answer from America. Mm. He's also got troops in Afghanistan, and he, he differed from um, Barack Obama. In, in the first few years of Obama's presidency, Obama decided to do what was called a surge, which was pouring more troops into Afghanistan to try and finish the dreadful conflict that was going on for years. It didn't really work. But Joe Biden at the time was against that. He didn't want more troops going in. So they've over 2,000 troops in Afghanistan and there's a deadline in May and he's going to decide whether to bring the rest of them home or leave some of them there because of the worry if you take the American few, the, 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 so there's much fewer now, but if you take them out of the country that the Taliban will see an opening and it's already seeing an opening there. So very complex issues ahead yep. from on foreign policy. And yep. we didn't even mention North Korea yet. Oh, That's listen, don't even go there. Rocket man, I think I'll get Elton John out next. Anyway, yeah. just before we say goodbye to you, Washington itself, uh, lots of people have, have visited there. And as I said to you, I hope to someday, please God, in the future. The fences, the security, is it still there? Oh, it's still there. Yeah, very much so. Um, so down by Capitol Hill, the, the huge fencing around there from the riot. The latest on that one is that in the next few weeks or so, in the next month, Joe Biden will give what's called the State of the Union address in the Capitol. So officials and police are saying they're worried that that could be a target. So they're going to keep up a lot of the barriers until that's over. But people are quite concerned here. Even around the White House, you used to be able to get up right up beside the White House. And now there's a huge barrier. You know, it, it's the, the whole area around the White House, the perimeter, the security perimeter is much wider. Um so people are concerned that it's going to stay like that, really. Um, and even to get into the White House now, it's much more difficult. Obviously, there's COVID restrictions, too. But the downtown area of Washington is still extremely closed down. You know, people work from home, obviously, like every city. Yeah. But you've got this now security cordons everywhere, which was never the case here. So look, at the moment, they said they've no plans really to change that. But maybe as the months go on, that might change. But there will be a call, I think, of re- by residents here in D.C., to try and get back to some kind of normality in the way Washington was before all those riots. Yes, hopefully it will sooner rather than later. You're great and I appreciate your time always and I know it's early in the day there with you but keep on doing what you're doing. You're providing wonderful coverage back home and I remind listeners again you can read Suzanne every day in the Irish Times. She's the Irish Times Washington correspondent. Suzanne, thanks a million. 
Thank you, Jerry. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Suzanne Lynch, our own Suzanne Lynch from County Meath. Uh, Jerry, just a quick comment here. It's just coming into me here. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. I'm surprised at you about the Gordon Elliott situation. He was more than wrong. It was shameful. It doesn't matter who took the picture. He's in the public eye. Shame on him. If it was me or you, we'd be in big trouble. I, I actually agree with everything you say, and I, I hope I got that across to you. What I said, he is in trouble. That's for sure. He's in big trouble. And I don't condone it in any way at all. But the point I was making was that today, with phones and cameras in everybody's hands, I'm not condoning anything. We all need to be very, very careful of what's taken, pictures or comment or whatever, and posted about us. Because, as you say yourself, it could be you and me or we could be in big trouble. But I heartily agree with your message and the sentiment of your message there. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Stay with us. Yeah, pink. And what about us on late lunch? this Monday afternoon. What about Cormac Ferreter? He's five today. Happy birthday, Cormac. Yes, he's our Louise little boy. Yes, he's having his birthday today. Hope you have a great day and we have a big request in from your godmother, Martina, your granny, Patsy and all of the Walsh family in Navin. Cormac, have a great one. Five. Imagine he's five years of age. Ah, oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Who's my artist of the week? Do you want to guess? Give you a guess. See if anyone gets it right before I tell you who he is after three. My artist of the week is John Woodward. Who is my artist of the week? It's John Woodward. Welcome to Late Lunch. If you're listening to us on 95.8, the app, smart speaker or online at lmfm.ie. Still lots to come on Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. Pauline listens to LMFM from morning until night. I think she listens on the radio. Well, I'm only assuming there. Sorry, Pauline, if you don't. She wants to thank everyone in LMFM for their great service. She phoned regarding Jerry talking about taking photographs. Now, here's a positive way, Jerry, to use your camera and social media take photographs of the state of all the streets with dog poo on them Jerry and post them up and shame people and shame whoever you like she says for what's happening because I live on George Street in Drogheda and it's a disgrace all day long you will see people going along their dogs do what they do and the owner lets them do it and never cleans up. It's a disgrace and they should be shown up for what they do. That's a good use. That is a good use of your camera. Yeah, and it's just shocking. It really is. Look at I mentioned the bins yesterday and Aaron Amon sent me a picture of... It's a laneway off Lawrence Street leading down to the low lanes, that type of area. I can't think of the name of the street off the cup, but it looks terrible as well. It's shocking. It's in a shocking state at the moment. But the best way to do this, and that's a good suggestion by Pauline, take the pictures. Use your phones for the good and post them. As simple as that. Anyway, after news, weather and sport at three, I will tell you who John Woodward is and begin a story this week. And we're going to talk to two young men. They're part of a group in Meath, a new band that set up last March. I love to walk on the ramparts in Drada. That's out towards Oldbridge House, of course. I see lots of people heading up, drinking their coffees. But on the way back, they have no cups. Where are those cups? Interesting question, isn't it? Maybe like we've been a bit harsh on people there. Most people probably drink up 
squash them up and put them into their pockets and bring it home with them. I, I would hope that's the case. I really would. But thank you indeed. Thought-provoking your message to us on the show. Jerry, we're out walking on the road, Bogginstown, Drumree area, and we're after seeing a buzzard flying above our heads. Will you say hello to Kathleen Walsh, Helen and Leah? I will indeed. Hope you enjoyed your walk. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. Now, my artist of the week. Oh, before I go on to that, great. I want to say something. Uh, great to see the schools back today and good luck to all of the students returning and thanks to the teachers who are in the classes to teach them as well. Uh, the Crown, I'm not surprised, winner of four Golden Globes. It's on television tonight if you didn't watch it live uh, in the early hours. But anyway, not surprised the Crown has picked up four Golden Globes. I'm a big fan of the Crown from the very first series to the most recent. It's fantastic stuff. And you do hear, heard, or you may have heard that Harry... Harry and Meghan, they're giving an interview to Oprah. It's on telly in in the next few days. Said that the crown is loosely based on the royal family. Now, there you are. That was interesting, wasn't it, to hear Harry say that. Now, my artist of the week this week is Thomas John Woodward, a proud Welshman born on the 7th of June, 1940. Yes, he's 80 years young, can still belt out a tune, and his career shows no signs of slowing down borne out by his popularity as a judge on The Voice UK. Yes, he's better known as Sir Tom Jones and he's now into his seventh decade singing, performing and appearing on radio and TV, as I mentioned there. He's from Pontypridd in South Wales, the son of a coal miner. Jones began singing from an early age. He had a great voice and began to really showcase his talent as frontman for Tommy Scott and the Senators, a Welsh beat group in 1963. Jones was spotted by Gordon Mills, a promoter based in London from Wales, who became his manager and renamed him Tom Jones after the Academy Award winning movie of the same name. Jones moved to London, signed a recording deal with Decca and released his first single called Chills and Fever, which when you hear it folks, it didn't even chart. However, the follow-up made number one in the UK charts and Tom Top 10 in the USA. And here it is. Up off your seats and shake your booty. Come on, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. And it's not unusual on late lunch this Monday afternoon. My artist of the week this week. He's some man, isn't he? I'll tell you why I had some... I was was actually going to play Shirley Bassey this week. And... uh, (laughs) I switched horses, I did, yeah, from a Welsh woman to a Welsh man. And I'll tell you why I switched as well. I was actually listening to Claudia Winkleman on BBC Radio 2 on Saturday morning early. And actually, she was interviewing Tom Jones. And he was on my list for during the year, but it brought him forward because I was fascinated listening to him. And he made one comment that really intrigued me. He said that uh, Claudia was asking him, did you ever think of... Retiring? Oh, absolutely not, said Jones. Not a chance. And the pandemic, he says, this is desperate. He's got his two jabs, by the way, of the uh, the injection against COVID, and he's very happy with it and feeling well. He's looking back to getting, uh, looking forward to getting back on stage and performing. That's what he wants to do. And he said, no, 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 that will never enter my mind. In fact, he says, Claudia, I left home at the age of sixteen 
1956 and I haven't been back much since. <laughs> and when they said that, I said, Tom, you're my man on late lunch next week. There you go. These little things that influence my thinking just to let you into this mind of mine. Anyway, we'll hear more about Tom Jones's life story and more great songs from him over the uh, coming days of this week. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Just reminding you, if you want to get in touch with us on the show after hours, email is best. Latelunch at lmfm.ie gets myself or Louise. If you have a story, if you have a guest in mind, if you have something to say, if you want to follow up on something, latelunch at lmfm.ie is a great way of getting directly to either of us. Now, final break of the first day of March on Late Lunch and afterwards. Yes, we're going to be talking to members of a Meath-based band. And listen to this. They decided to choose took their jobs last March and go full-time into the music business. How has their year been? They've been compared to you too. Can count chart toppers code line among their fans. And listen to this, they've never gigged together. And last March they decided, I don't mean to smile at this, but talk about timing, to give up their jobs to go full-time into the music business. But listen to this, there's a silver... Uh, there's a silver lining to every cloud. They've been working away, uh, dole part. They've been writing, recording, and now it appears they're ready to launch into the great big world of success. Yes, they're collectively known as Noah. It's Adam Rooney, Ronan Hines and Ryan Hill. And Adam and Ryan are with me this afternoon. Hello, boys. How's it going? How's it going? Ah, great. Thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Adam, if I can begin with yourself, this is no joke. They might think I'm pulling their legs out in LMFM land. You did make that decision to go full-time down this road. Yeah, we did. Um, Last last year, um, just before COVID really hit, um, we decided to go full-time, give the music a proper go. Um, You know, we're we're getting older and we we want music to be our full-time career, so we we made the leap of faith. Uh, luckily, we're all in the position where we can do that, and we don't have too much tying us down. And uh, yeah, that's what that's what we're going for. Now, there's three of you in this. Have you known each other? You know the way you hear these stories, and when you write your autobiographies, and it's million sellers in years to come, you'll get this question anyway. Do you know each other going back from you were youngsters? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we all went to primary school with each other. Um, myself and Ronan were in the same class. Um, from the age of about eight, nine, ten, and then once we got to uh, secondary school, um, we met up at Ryan Hill, uh, our lead singer, uh, lead guitarist and singer, and uh, yeah, we've we've been a band ever since. So it's been an awful long time, mm. nearly twelve years. Okay, and is Noah this name Noah? This is a new name that you've taken on last year as well. I take it, yeah. Yeah, so we took inspiration from the biblical story of Noah and the ark and the idea of, you know, starting again and mm. life after the flood. Um, now, no way are we religious, but I think it's just the, the overall message from that story sort of resonated. And as we said, we're getting older and we want to make music our career. So it's, you know, it'd be great to start in a clean slate and as adult musicians. Okay, so Noah is the name. Let's say hello to Ryan. He's waiting patiently. Ryan, just to yourself there. um, How do you operate? Because this is a fact. You've never, ever performed together and you're looking forward to hopefully later this year. How does it work, the writing and the recording and the release? You released a song last year and we're going to hear your latest one uh, as we finish up on the show today. How does that work? 
Well, to be honest, we kind of adapted here because we started off in a lockdown. Um, so basically, the way it worked is we all kind of have our own equipment at home and we kind of, you know, we're writing away ourselves um, and then it kind of all just comes together. So we all have kind of different pieces of the puzzle. And then once it all comes together, then you sort of you're hearing the full song. And that's even for this, the news release, Darkest Era, the same thing again. We all kind of did our own bits at home, um, recorded it, and then sent it on to our producer, Phil Hayes. He kind of put it all together, and then you're hearing it back, you know, which is quite exciting because you're hearing it back for the first time instead of being in the studio, hearing it as you go, you know. It's a real new way of doing things because, you know, I don't have to tell you guys when you're together performing and the crack in the studio and building a song and the retakes and all that goes with this. That's not part of it. But it shows you, Ryan, it can work and it can work brilliantly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's one thing. As I said, we're in the lockdown there, well, roughly a year now. Um, and it's kind of something that we had to get used to, you know. I think it's, it's probably going to be, be a bit more the future as well, you know. So this is the way for the time being anyway. Um, let's go back to Adam for a second. The, the songs and the material, is there a, you mentioned the, the logic and, and the thought process behind the name of the group, Noah. What about what you've been producing? Has that been influenced uh, in, in any way by the last year, Adam? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. The, the environment and the, the position we are in while we're riding is, is, and the context of our riding is huge, uh, hugely down to lockdown. Um, now we're really focusing nowadays on trying to push past the lockdown because, I mean, we're in it a year now and it, it's uh, it can overtake all of our writing process. So we're really trying to move on to next the next thing. But yeah, of course, like our first track, Shine, um, it was a, an optimistic song. Um, it sort of looked forward to the future. Um, and like gave us that little light at the end of the tunnel. Well, from our perspective, um, towards lockdown, darkest hour is a bit more introverted. It's um, a bit more personal. I would say it's more about um, the individual's own psyche and their descent into their own version of um, their darkest hour. I suppose. Yeah, well, look at it. We're going to hear it now. I just wanted to touch base with you. You're making waves across the water here. The gigs are rolling in. Here it is, your latest single, Darkest Hour. I wish you the best, Adam, Ryan and Ronan. Thank you for joining me, Noah. Thanks a million. Really appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, watch this space for Noah. Fantastic song. These are talented guys and they are making waves. They've, uh, Laura Whitmore's playing them in the UK and here, Owen McDermott at home. And they are going places and we wish them all the very best. They're uh, from uh, Rathothin, County Meath. And watch this space for Noah. They'll be gigging uh, later this year, hopefully, and beyond. They're good guys and they're full of talent. They really are. We wish them well on late lunch this afternoon. Just been looking at the video there before I go of the guy with the firework at the protest in Dublin. He's goosed. <laughs> oh, he is goosed. You see, this is it. You know, you probably talked about the Gordon Elliott thing. This uh, has gone up on social media and he's clearly identified and he is in major, major trouble. There's no denying what he tried to do. Uh, I think it was on Snapchat that one appeared. 
there. It just shows you all these platforms. And uh, just to listening to the news there, the clash in Dundalk and Mahivna Moore. God, it's frightening to look at it. And Christy Mangan speaking about it as well. That level of stuff is absolutely shocking. And it comes back to where I started at the beginning of the show, talking about those protests as well. We've got to get tougher, much tougher and all this type of stuff. That is the bottom line. Anyway, tomorrow on Late Lunch, uh, do you watch Home of the Year in RTE? Hugh Wallace, he's back again as a judge this year. The two uh, ladies and you. Well, Hugh is with me on the show tomorrow because A House in Me is featured tomorrow night on Home of the Year. Hugh will be with us. Looking forward to talking to him. Father Sean McDonough, environmentalist. What a brilliant man. He's a new book out and he really is thought-provoking about the current pandemic and links to the environment and more besides. He talks about technology and what it's going to do to mankind in the future jobs are going to disappear by the new time. You want to hear Sean talking about this. He'll be talking to me on late lunch about it tomorrow. Uh, the moral aspect of this and the duty on everybody to keep everybody, as many as possible in the world, gainfully employed. Uh, it's interesting stuff indeed in Sean's book. He's with me tomorrow. And of course, on Tuesdays, as is his want, we can say he's a regular now, can't we? After a year, I'm sure we can. Professor Paul Moyna with the latest on COVID and more besides on your late lunch on Tuesday afternoon. Coming up next here, Eddie Caffrey will bring you to the drive with some wonderful music for the next couple of hours. So stay tuned to us here on LMFM Radio. Have a nice evening. I'm away from me walk for Slav. I'm in town this evening and I'll be back, please God, to chat to you from 1.30. Tuesday. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website. BlackstoneMotors.ie Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.